and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Leah Boyce, I am so excited to be interviewing you for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, no, it's going to be great. So let's start off with why don't you tell everybody what it is that you do now? Uh, so we have a family office, Boyce Family Office, and another entity called Family Capital 100. And uh, that runs us our own family office and a multifamily office. Right. Um, and, and as well as part of that, we provide consulting services to other families in business, other families looking to set up family offices. Um, and I particularly am quite passionate about providing, um, you know, support to women in family businesses. Which is, of course, one of the many reasons that I adore you. But let's go back a little <laughs> bit because I don't think that any everybody will know what a family office means. I know I didn't um, really before I met you. So what does that actually mean? So it's about having a space where you really are looking after the family corpus. So whatever that sort of, you know, um, financial wealth or human wealth that you've created, it's about how do you come together and you look after that and you look at your investing, you look at your philanthropy, you look at your education, the rising generation, and how do you bring all that together and support the greater family unit for future generations. So it's about thinking in generations. So we have a tendency to think in about seven generations. Wow. <laughs> I think that's just extraordinary. And it's like a whole world that I didn't really know about, I have to say, um, before I met you. So um, what would be my next question is... Well, it's quite an immature why, market Yeah, well, yeah in, what is in it? Australia. So um, family office is quite immature in Australia. So I just, you know, because you say... You, you yeah. hadn't heard of it. And a lot of people haven't. So in Australia, you know, the, there is quite a lot of family offices now, but historically sort of when we started it 22 odd years ago, um, you know, we were probably one of the first family offices in Australia, along with, you know, the people like the Maya family and the values and, and the ones that people know of. Yeah, the big um, names. Not that, we, yeah, not that we're <laughs> like that, but, you know, we're the little version. Um, so, yeah, so it, but internationally family offices have been around for you know hundreds of years so yeah because of course um, they've got um they've got sort of history that goes back thousands of years instead of just the couple of hundred that we've got here but it is about intergenerational wealth it's about so how do you sort of set it up is it because you inherit wealth is that normally what starts a family office it can be a number of things. It can be inherited wealth or yep. it can be that, you know, there's been an entrepreneur founder who has created the wealth. Um, and, you know, very often the family office is set up by the first generation as well because it's got to start somewhere. Yeah, so yeah. in Australia, most of our family offices, um, you know, sort of might be, you know, two second. or three generations in, right. um, you know, we're still sort of in some ways technically a first generation. Richard, my husband and I founded the business, right. um, you know, and so the, <laughs> our family office was set up by the two of us. So from the founding of the family office, we're the first generation, but yet in our families we've kind of had businesses and things going on for five generations, you know, prior to us. Right. Amazing. So, look, my normal question that I would ask next, and I just don't know whether it's relevant, so I'm going to ask it anyway and you can tell me whether it is, is 
was there something that happened that made you go, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go and set up this family office. Because I know that there, I guess, there are other people who just build other businesses specifically, but what made you decide that a family office was the way that you wanted to go? Well, we've, you know, we've looked, we've been in businesses where we've looked after other families in business. Right. Um, you know, Richard being a chartered accountant, you know, looked after some some large families. Um, you know, I've always worked for family businesses. And so it's seeing what, you know, perhaps the, the gaps were and what they were missing. And then for ourselves, you know, when our daughters came along, our first daughter particularly, she's now 20 three and we kind of went well okay we actually have to start to think generationally ourselves, like some of already our clients are um, and then also help other families develop out that same mindset right so your daughter does she then basically as she's growing up know that she's going to have to run the family office as the next generation I mean what happens if she decides she doesn't want to do that it, well, there's no pressure to do that. Our eldest, okay. as an example, worked um, with us for, you know, while she was doing university, she worked for us. And um, But, you know, part of our thing is is that the girls always had to go off and do their own things outside of the family business. Right. Um, you know, and that's something we promote to other families as well, that people should go and experience things outside of the family businesses. So she is now doing that um, and the youngest one is in university and there's no expectation. Um, they know that the business is there. They understand it. The reality is, is that longer term, it's more, you know, the investments are there and they, you know, will in all likelihood need Have to manage to. the investments. Yeah. Right. Um, but hopefully that Richard and I are smart enough that we set it up that, you know, those kind of things are self-perpetuating and it, um, you know, they have a team of people around them to support them. Right. Amazing. It just sounds amazing. Okay. So let's talk about your life. <laughs> this is the bit I absolutely love. And then half the people go, God, I can't even remember. But I want to go right back to when you were a little girl. Where did you grow up and what sort of family did you grow up in? What size and what did your parents do? I had a very normal kind of upbringing, you know, mum, dad, three kids. I'm the youngest. Um, you know, an old, the eldest is a sister. My middle one is a brother. Um, okay. You know, I was a little bit, my age group, I came a little bit later than my um, my siblings. Um, the my baby. <laughs> well, my mum used to always joke that I was planned, but only by her and not by dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet I'm my dad's favourite, so oh. it all worked out okay. It did, it did. <laughs> and, um, and whereabouts was that in Melbourne? So we grew up in the Waverley area. Okay. I, you know, went to my local high school. I had my normal casual job at Coles where, um, you know, after school job working at Coles where I actually met my husband. Okay, um, now hang on a minute. You're rushing ahead a little <laughs> bit too far. The next thing I wanted to know was um, what did your mum and dad do? Were they role models for you in business? My mum was probably mostly a stay-at-home mum. That, okay. that, that I that I, remember. I know she did have particular jobs over the time. She worked in fashion stores or one thing and another. My dad ran hotels um, okay. for a very large um, hotelier in Australia, 
And so I probably grew up going to work with him and, you know, being in that sort of quite male-dominated industry of, of at that time of hospitality and pubs and yep. when they didn't open on a Sunday and he, he'd have to go to work and do things on a Sunday. So I'd go in and play the pinball machine and those types of things. So, um, you know, I grew up going to work a lot with my dad and really kind of enjoying that side of things. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then did you like school? Were you good at school? Um, I, th- I actually found some school reports a little while ago and <laughs> it, it, it had, um, if only Leah applied herself a bit oh more God. and Leah talks too much. <laughs> that sounds like me. It's like all the teachers in the past, that seems to be all they ever wrote about people. Hasn't reached her full potential. <laughs> I know. Maybe it was just a standard. Maybe I wasn't like that at all. Maybe it was just a standard thing that they did. But I did like school, but I was very particular um, and I pushed back a lot. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I kind of always wanted to know the why of things. And, you know, I was always of the mindset that, well, what's the practicality of what you're teaching me? How am I actually going to go into the real world and apply this? So I oh, think that, I love that. that kind of caused, you know, me being maybe seen as a, you know, troublemaker or whatever because I always want to know the why. Well, what, what how, how am I ever going to use algebra? Uh, I'm happy to do algebra <laughs> if you tell me how I'm going to apply it in the real world, you know. Right. Kind of thing. And I know now that you do apply algebra to the real world. But, <laughs> but there's you know. plenty of other things at school that perhaps you don't. So I get That's it and right. I love it that you questioned it. <laughs> so was there a, an assumption that you would finish school and go to uni? There, there actually really wasn't that assumption. So because okay. it wasn't my, so my father moved here from Italy when he was a young boy. Um, so you know, and my mother was from a very working class background in the western suburbs, which you know wasn't gentrified like it is now. Um, and so there wasn't that expectation. The expectation was, you know, you go and do whatever you want to do. You know, right. as long as you're happy. And that was oh, always. Great. My dad's big thing was, you know, as long as you're happy, then that's okay and you're passionate about what you're doing. Um, so I did start university and made a false start and dropped out and went, this what isn't did, for me. What did you do first? Oh, gosh, I went and did um, human resources. So <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't even but- know that was a course. I know, um, probably isn't anymore. But um, so I went and did that, dropped out after a couple of years and started working in the wine industry because that was what I was passionate about. Yeah, and that's that makes sense. what I wanted to do. So, right. you know, so my parents were very supportive and said, sure, if that's what you want to do. And, um, and that was fantastic. And, but, you know, I always actually did regret not doing university. So I went back to university as a mature age student. Um, so at least now I've you know, and there was a lot more reasons why I went back than just that. I'm sure. Um, but, you know, so that's something that, that did get ticked it off. It is, so. and it's actually something I say to my 16-year-old sons at the moment. I'm like, you know, if you can't get into the course you want to or you don't do that well at school, don't stress because five years from now or whenever, you can go back and they'll embrace, you know, you'll be able to get in easily. They always have spots for mature age students and and you study much harder and you enjoy it much more, I think, when you go back. I I, I did a little bit of that as well. Okay, so um, you talked about Coles. What was the what was the Coles thing? Is that like the part time job when you were at school, or did that become a bit of a? No, career? that was the that was the part time job at school. My sister actually was the office manager. Um, you know, so I started Andy. working there part time <laughs> after school. So yeah, that was um, you know because it was important. I think that my parents always instilled the value of having a good work ethic. Yeah, and um, and you know, uh, so I went. 
and did that. And then when I was old enough, I went and actually worked in the, in the pubs with dad as, as sort of a part-time thing as well. So. Okay. So, so you got this job in the wine industry. How did you get the job? What was the first, because it's hard to get your first job it, and especially it, in the wine industry, I would think. It really is, especially at that time as a woman as well. Yes, um, add that to it. Yeah. And I was really conscious of the fact that I probably could have ridden off my dad's coattails a bit because he was very well known, very well liked, very well respected in the industry. But I really had a thing that I wanted to do it on my own. So I literally applied for an ad that was, you know, advertised in the paper and, um, you know, was kind of a bit nervous about sort of using my, my, cause I wasn't married at that stage. I was, I was getting married, about to get married and using oh my, my goodness, ma- very young. Then. Yeah. 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 Using, right. I, I was working for the Herald Sun at the time, but so using my, you know, name that people in the industry knew, but anyway, so I went and, and, um, I got a job with Rosemount Estate Wines, okay. which at that time was family owned by the Oatley family, just a gorgeous family. Um, so, you know, that probably is where some of my family yeah, business passion yeah. started. <laughs> but I was interviewed by a great woman called Christine Turner and she was, you know, at that time I think she was probably the only kind of state manager in the country of a wine company and um, she was a powerhouse woman. She and, must have been uh, to have she, got into that position in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And, and was she, was and, she a very... Um, nurturing kind of a woman I mean I don't mean in a soft way but I mean as in she looked after you and helped lift you up as well absolutely you know there was a time oh, where I great. said to her oh I'm gonna go and I'm gonna work for another wine company they've approached me and you know it's a little bit different to what I'm doing now and I think it'll be great and she went sure that's awesome go do that but when you've finished doing that your job here will be ready for you to come back oh, to wow and I did I wow. went and I worked for the other wine company for about a year and I came back and I went, Christine, I'm ready to come back now. And she went, no worries, see you Monday. Oh, so, you know, she, she was amazing in that time because she, she understood that I needed to kind of go and see what was on the other side of the fence, figure out the grass isn't always greener and, and came back. And, you know, I was thinking about her not that long ago going, she probably had a much bigger impact on my life than, you know, I probably give her credit for because she was actually quite a trailblazer at that time. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and hopefully and also, one day I'll run into that, her again. That's right. And also because back in those days for a woman to get to that position, a lot of the times they were quite aggressive and they, and they protected that position. So for her to be so generous and and lovely and to see that it's worth it to, you know, lift you up as well makes her extra special, I think. Yeah, and she was a really hard boss, but I now understand that because she was absolutely having to fight for that position and keep that position and prove herself. I bet. Um, You know, but but she did lift other women. Not in a soft way, obviously. Like, you know, she's got to be tough on you in order for you to be able to survive out there as well after she's gone. That she she was tough on me and she made me one of the best there was at the time. Oh, that's brilliant. So how long did you stay with her and what happened next? Oh gosh, that was I was I can't remember how long I was with them. Quite a few years and then um uh, my husband got a job in Sydney and so, so when, was, hang on, we've got to go back. So how did you meet him? <laughs> I love a bit of a love story, but it, but obviously you're so closely entwined with this business. So yeah. where, how did all that come about? At, at our part-time jobs after school at Coles. <laughs> he yeah. was there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, so cute. 
<laughs> so we we met when I was fifteen and he was seventeen. So, oh my goodness! Um, and all these years later, we're we're still, still together, still together, and That's still very brilliant. happy. So yeah. Okay. So um, so you got married young. You'd been working for this wine company. What made you decide that you were going to do this family business thing? What what what, what had happened, or was there? Yeah. Well, we moved. We moved to Sydney. I moved up there with Rosemount. They transferred me up, and then um, we we got a call from one of Richard's cousins saying, "Hey, you know, it'd be really great if you came and joined the family accounting firm." Um, you know, okay. he was about to retire, and um, he said, "Love for you to move to Moree." And once I looked up on the map where Moree was, yeah, <laughs> I went, "Awesome, let's go do that." So what we an moved. Yeah, it was great. So we moved to Moree and he became Sorry, a partner. let me just interrupt you. Where is Moree? <laughs> I know the name. I'm just trying to think. Is it? Yeah, go on. It's, it's on the – it's in New South Wales, um, the New South Wales side just down from the Queensland border, about an hour down from the Queensland border and about Ooh. five hours inland. Oh, you got me really excited a bit of Tweed Heads and then you went five hours inland. So really yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. yeah. How exciting. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. But best best town you could possibly ever want to live in. So it was amazing. So we moved up there. He was a partner in the um, chartered accounting business. And so, you know, obviously I wasn't going to be able to stay with Rosemount up there. So I started doing little bits and pieces of things that I liked. And I started, you know, doing some wine appreciation courses and some wine buying for, you know, farmers and um, started doing bookkeeping and, you know, just kind of all these little bits and pieces. And so I think that, you know, working with all these amazing generational family farms kind of really helped ignite Mm. that, that passion for it. Right. And so, um, yeah, what led to the big decision to start the family business? Well, we we came back from Moree to Wagga and um, we moved from Moree to Wagga to move closer to home and because the business had an office there as well Okay, because um, they're the largest regional chartered accounting business in New South Wales. So we moved to Wagga to be closer to to our family back in Melbourne. And mm. um, so anyway, there we started doing some property development and um, so I headed that up um, and looked after that while Richard was still a a partner in the um, firm and then we just sort of decided that it was probably time to um, come back to Melbourne. Right, um, and start like a a, company to manage the the investment side of it. Yeah, we came back to Melbourne with the Thing to, to educate our daughters because, you know, we sort of didn't really want to do boarding school or that type of thing. Yeah. So we came back to Melbourne to educate our daughters um, and Richard actually went into a, another accounting firm down here and basically I sort of started the family office, um, you know, with him supporting me after hours to to manage our investments and that type of thing and then it grew from there and <laughs> here and we then, are today. Well, how, do, how does it grow? Because I don't know where you are today. Tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the first thing obviously was the investment properties that you're the investments that you had started when you were up in Moree and Wagga. Mm. Is, is that sort of how it started? And then how do you grow yeah. a family business? 
Well, it's really because we started um, co-investing with other families. Okay. And so, you know, we started doing more for those families and, you know, looking at other opportunities to help them, you know, assisting them with their philanthropic journeys. Um, you know, there might have been a succession planning issue. So, we would help with the succession plan mm-hmm. within the family and that type of thing. So, it's quite a, it's all been quite a natural, um, you know, very of, organic uh, growth. Yes. Yeah, kind of learn things because you have to because some things come up yeah 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 amazing and and so um what do you do now where where is the stage that it's at now what sort of things are you interested in investing in and how do you grow it from here so we've got um you know some great business investments and then you know we obviously invest across businesses across equity all those types of things um you know um listed and unlisted equities I was going to say, is this something like, are you a, a fund that people could tap into for funding for their businesses? Is, is it that kind of a thing or is it more closed than that? More closed than that. So it usually stems from a relationship. So, right. you know, very often we'll be invited in to assist a business with either their growth or a succession plan or some type of um, you know, challenge that they've got on the plate. Right. Um, and usually then we were able to go in, add value, and um, very often then end up um, co-investing with that family into the business. Um, so, you know, that's quite exciting because we get an array yeah. of businesses that we get involved with, you know, everything from milk to garden supplies and, and you know, everything in between. So, so there's not like a theme, it's because it's family-led, it's where the interests are for the family members at various places or is it around that sort of, I don't know, agriculture and food kind of thing or it, all over the place? We do have a tendency to like agribusiness right. um, probably because we know it, we understand it um, and we also know that we have to feed the world and that Australia plays a very important True. role in that. Um, so, you know, we do like agribusiness. Um, and, you know, we've kind of all those associated things around property developing and, and what have you that we've done in the past. So it's usually a business that we see our skill set can add value to it. There's no point um, getting involved with someone either to assist them in their business goals or to co-invest with them if we don't believe we can add value. Right. And usually the best way we can add value if is something that we're really interested in and we're really passionate about. Okay. It sounds absolutely fabulous, I have to say. All right. So now one of the questions that I like to ask, and you've obviously talked about the woman from Rosemount, um, but I'll ask the question if there have been, have there been any other women that sort of stand out to you as having helped you in your career journey? I guess I'm looking for those great women out there that are pretty much invisible unless we know, you know, we talk about them, who do help young women and help women along the way. Have you had any others? Um, I, having worked in male-dominated industries pretty much, you know, all, all of my career, um, I've been in male-dominated industries, it, uh, you know, I often get asked this question and probably one of the, the people that when I think back that has, you know, helped a lot, you know, I mentioned Christine Turner before from Rosemount, um, was my grandmother. So on my dad's side, my grandmother was very small um, Italian lady, didn't speak a lot of English, um, but, you know, I always talk about it was what she didn't say that was more powerful than Ooh, what she that did say. Interesting. Yeah, go on. And 
so she, you know, she they came from off the islands, you know, in Italy, and you know, she was the one. While all the men were off at war, um, she was, you know, helping with the agriculture. She was the island midwife, you know, with no formal qualifications. Oh, wow. So if, if you had a baby, she went and helped deliver the baby. If you were dying, she went and sat with you while you were dying, so the family could have a break. And you know, she was that very caring, nurturing yeah. soul. Um, but but so strong to have done everything that she had done, but was you know was never a big deal. So I think it was just that very quiet bravery and forward movement and just getting the job done that you know was quite inspirational by her. That she didn't need to make a fuss. Nothing was about her, and um, so she was a pretty amazing woman. So um, and then. It. I know it's a bit yeah. cliched, but my my daughters um, are just phenomenal, and I. Oh, no one pushed... has ever said that. I've always heard my mum, my sisters. Tell me about your oh, daughters and why they inspire you. They push me to be the best version <laughs> of myself I can be. You know, they chase that. me down, and they, and I feel like if they push me, they they get to chase further. So the further I go, because they're always going to want to be in front of me, and that's awesome. So the harder I run, then the f- harder they run because they're going to always be in front of me. Um, and you know, I think that they were they were a big inspiration for me going back to university. Um, ah. And you know, they just they just encourage me to be the best version of myself I can be. And they're my best friends, and they're supportive. And they're just incredibly strong. And I look at them and I go, wow, if I was that at 20 and 23 that they are now, my God, you know, where would I be I now at 52? Because they're just, they're just powerhouse girls. And I'm just, you know, so I have to run to keep up with them. Oh, um, that's true. What, so, a, what a yeah. fantastic um, thing to say. And what a great relationship you obviously have with them. I love that. Um, okay, so one of the other things that um, I have discovered as I've started interviewing women is, and a lot of us are working incredibly hard to try and get up to the to the top, is that people neglect their own personal time and then burn out. And mm. so I like to ask the question about how you juggle work, and obviously when it's a passion and it's to do with family, I'm particularly interested how do you structure your life to give yourself some time out? Are you only working sort of nine to five during the week or do you, yeah, well, as you laugh, I thought that might be the case. So how do you give yourself time out? How do you keep yourself Jules, sane? you've had enough businesses over the years to know it's definitely not nine to five. No. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, I, I can't remember who it was historically that ever said if you, you know, work in something that's your passion, you never work a day in your life. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's not right. Yes. Um, you know, I, I love I love what I do. Um, I do find it hard to get balance, and especially when you work together as a husband and wife team, because you know it's very easy to come home and continue that, that conversation, yes, right. or or you just think of something in the morning while you're in the shower, and you go, "Hey, you know," um, or you're on a walk or things. So it can be hard to get that balance and we've been not great at it. We probably are getting better at it now. Right. Um, you know, last night we we're out for a walk and started talking about business and we went, Oh, hang on, let's talk about that tomorrow. Um, so, you know, it is hard to get the balance, but um, you know, I, 
I guess it's just knowing that I think, you know, working with Richard, we sort of know when the other person needs that time out. It's like, hey, you're just feeling, I can see you're feeling overwhelmed. Why don't I just pick up a little bit extra at the moment? And we kind of support each other and, and, you know, sort of give each other that space when we need it. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And do you make sure you take holidays and um, weekends and things like that? Yeah, we we are we are pretty good at that. Sometimes it gets lost, you know. I know last year I didn't really get many um, much time out. Because you feel it, don't you? You do feel yeah. it when you have a year that you don't give yourself any time out. Yeah, that's it. So um, I must admit, now I'm busily talking to Rachel from Jigsaw Travel every other day, oh, trying cool. to find some <laughs> find some holidays for this year to make up for last year. So, oh, great. Um, you know, so I'm probably driving her nuts, but. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, you don't always get it, but you've got to recognize it. So, you know, to move forward and start to plan that in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. And one last funny, quirky little question (laughs) that I like to ask is, (laughs) I can see you're getting nervous about this one. Is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? Oh, gosh. That's such a hard question. I know, isn't it? I, I feel like it. I'm. I feel like I'm a bit of an open book. Um, it can, now it can be anything. It doesn't have to be about yep. business. I've had all sorts of funny answers for that one. So probably a lot of people don't know that I'm probably a bit of a rev head. That I like. I like. Fast cars, Ooh. fast motorbikes, those types of things. So um, that's probably something a lot <laughs> of people don't picked, know about me. There you go, and I wouldn't have picked you answering that. Yeah, which... <laughs> I, I actually I was um, um I was up at Canberra, our daughters in, in university in Canberra, and I was up there sort of um, helping her move into her new house with her besties, and and summer nats happened to be on while we were up there, and it was fantastic atmosphere, and it was great. And um, sorry, what summer nats? It's the Summer Nationals. It's a um, it's a car kind of exhibition oh my competition. God, of course, I haven't heard of it. Yes, yeah. I'm not a redhead. <laughs> very famous in Canberra. Um, it's the, I think it's the first or second biggest tourist um, attraction in in Canberra. Right. Um, and so that was on at the time, and I posted something on my personal Instagram about it, and I had one of my friends who I thought knew me pretty well <laughs> text me going, "I've just seen your video. Are you being held against your will?" <laughs> Could you could you blink once if you are safe, <laughs> or blink twice if you need me to send help? And I went, oh, maybe that's something people don't know about me. That so, is so yeah. funny. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, Leah, thank you so much for this great interview. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, um, you know, because you are such an amazing woman, what would be the best way for them to do that? They can um, jump onto our website at boysfamilyoffice.com or my website, leahboyce.com, or check me out on LinkedIn or Instagram. Um, You know, and I'm always happy to um, talk to up-and-coming women entrepreneurs and see how I can assist them on their journeys. And um, Aren't you amazing? Yeah, so be happy to have a chat to anybody. Thank you very much. Well, that's fabulous. Thank you so, so much. Thanks, Jules. It's always such fun talking to you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.